Did you know that a single shisha session typically lasting 45 minutes to one hour is equivalent to smoking a staggering 100 cigarettes? Did you also know that a single pod of certain popular e-cigarette brands can contain as much nicotine as an entire packet of traditional cigarettes? Let that reality sink in as we liberate ourselves from the engulfing cloud of smoke. Brace yourself for the Shisha No Thanks on Air to MFM media campaign, proudly supported by the Cancer Institute of New South Wales. In this groundbreaking series, we present five captivating episodes aiming to raise awareness about the potential dangers of shisha smoking and promote healthier choices among culturally diverse communities in New South Wales. Our interviews feature an exceptional lineup of experts, including dentists, professors, lecturers, and industry professionals. They'll enlighten us on critical topics like the potential impact of shisha and vaping on youth, pregnant women, and oral health. So together, let's clear the air and pave the way for a healthier generation with 2MFM's Shisha No Thanks radio series commencing on the 26th to the 30th of June at quarter past three. Hello and welcome to our program today, dear listeners. Today we have the privilege of interviewing Ben Harris Rojas, a senior lecturer in the School of Population Health at UNSW Sydney, with his expertise and extensive knowledge in public health, particularly in the field of youth tobacco use. We will delve into the impacts of vaping and shisha on young individuals. His valuable insights will shed light on the social, psychological and physical consequences of these emerging trends among the youth population. We will explore the prevalence of shisha smoking, the factors contributing to its appeal and the effectiveness of current interventions and legislation in curbing its use. Join us as we engage in an enlightening discussion on the topic and gain a deeper understanding of the implications of vaping and shisha on the well-being of young people. Ben, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure and we look forward to this conversation. It's a very important one, very timely one, and I'm sure we'll get out of it for ourselves and the listeners as well. So thank you again. Can you first, just to start off, provide insights into the prevalence of shisha smoking among young individuals at the moment? We don't have fantastic data about how widespread it is. But we do know that from New South Wales data that shisha use is one of the few forms of tobacco use that's actually increasing. So everything else is dropping down, you know, cigarette smoking, other forms of um, uh, tobacco use are all decreasing with the exception of roll your own cigarettes um, and shisha. So, you know, in in the sense of um, being aware that Tobacco use has a lot of health impacts and a lot of health consequences. It's one of the few areas that we actually know use is becoming more widespread. Um, From more qualitative research that I've been involved in, we've got an insight that there's been some changes through the um, past few years, partly due to COVID and effects of lockdown and so on. So there seems to have been a bit of a drop-off of people who might have casually used shisha in, in cafe settings, you know, who might not have it too often. But we've also heard from people where we've done focus groups and interviews that there's been um, potentially an increase in people who are having who are using it at home, um, you know, in backyard settings, that kind of thing. So, uh, so I think we don't know exactly how, how, how widespread it is. We do have a sense that um, it is a bit of a 
generally increasing trend. And also that, you know, the effect of the past few years has probably changed some of the patterns of use. You, you, there's, there's still lots of shisha cafes around, um, but, uh, you know, in terms of prior to 2020, there was probably um, a bit more widespread use and across a broader segment of the whole population. Now we're seeing people who might be um, using with family and friends in, you know, more backyard home settings or communal settings, um, possibly increasing a bit. But yeah, it's it's a bit of a black box. Um, and so we're trying to understand it a bit better. Yeah. Interesting. It would be a bit difficult to collect accurate information on this. Yeah. So the amount of shisha smoking is increasing, but the way in which it is used overall and the settings in which it's used is what's changed. It seems to be. It seems okay. to be. Yeah. Interesting. And what factors do you think contribute to the appeal of shisha smoking? It's becoming more prevalent. Why do you think people are so into it and yeah. using it more often? Yeah. Look, I think there's probably three things. Is One is that um, it's got a, an appealing smell, you know, like one of the things. And we can't discount that sort of smell and flavouring aspect of it. It's... And, and that in some ways relates to one of the other things is that there's often um, a bit of a misperception of is it a harmful form of tobacco use? You know, what, it's water filtered, it smells okay. So it's a more appealing sort of form of tobacco to use. Um, the other thing is that, you know, it's, it's communal. It's fun. It's, it's, a, it's a focus for people. And so I think from my perspective, we just want people to think and understand that when you're using um, shisha, you know, recognise that there is tobacco in it, that even though, it, you know, the, the molasses or the honeyed uh, uh, tobacco products that are in it um, make it smell better, it doesn't take out the bad stuff, basically. So there's still a lot of toxins in it. And, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, that's, that's some of the concerns that are really underpinning those patterns of use. So. That's very interesting compared to something like a cigarette, as you described, where the smell in and of itself is its own deterrent. Yeah. When you're sitting in a cafe and you just smell all these different flavors going around yeah. and then you feel like you can experiment with different flavors every time you smoke it, every time it's a new experience. Yeah. And yeah. I think that brings us to the next question, which is the social element of it. How big do you think that social aspect of shisha smoking plays a role into it? Whereas a cigarette, you're on the side of a job site, for example, and you can be yeah. having it on a lunch break. Yeah. Compared to something like shisha, it's more associated with coming together with family and friends for yeah, a lot of people. Absolutely. And it brings people together. Exactly. How big of a role do you think that is? I think it's huge. And, and from my perspective, I think that bringing together function, keeping people together as family and community is really valuable. Um, I guess the thing that really sparked my interest in shisha originally was doing some interviews with people. And what came up is there was really varied understanding that, you know, oh, hang on, it smells okay and this sort of thing, uh, the, or the water filtration takes out all the harms and so on. It's like, well, so there was a really mixed understanding of what was going on. And so even though people are doing it in these really, I think, great, friendly um, you know, support network. It occurred to me, oh, hang on, these people are not necessarily always fully aware of the harms, you know. So it's like, how do we support and encourage and really value that sort of bring together a family and community? But we want to also make sure that people don't have those long-term health consequences from tobacco use. You know, we don't want people to um, potentially develop cancer and so on. We don't want people necessarily to have some of the other health conditions that are associated with um, with uh, smoking, basically. So I, I think the social aspect's a big thing, and we don't want in, in, I think, my personal work, but also in public health messaging in general, to sort of discount or devalue that because 
community is critical, you know, life's hard, people have got busy lives and so on. And it's actually only with those connections with each other that we'll get through, but we want to make sure that Shisha's not necessarily at the centre of those um, uh, those connections. Yeah. So finding alternative ways to yeah. come together and also addressing that knowledge gap that a lot of people may have regarding, yeah. okay, I associate it with happy time with my family and friends. Yeah. I associate it with being at the beach or being in my backyard coming together with a family. Yeah. But let's make sure that I actually understand what are the risks there and maybe try and find alternative ways to... Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't think... I've necessarily personally figured out what all those alternatives are. I think a lot of people will figure that out themselves. But I think, you know, I want to make sure that the people um, that I've been meeting with are going to be around in 20, 30, 40 years and not having those sort of health consequences that we can get from shishi use. Because one of the big things that I think people don't appreciate is we might only be doing it in social settings, but the amount of... Um, toxins that you're getting can be quite significant. So essentially about a 45-minute session is the equivalent to smoking 100 cigarettes. Wow, okay. Yeah, so even though we might be doing it only once a week, once every couple of weeks, it can still be the equivalent of what would be several packets of cigarette in, cigarettes in terms of the level of um, you know, toxins, tar, um, carbon monoxide, and a whole range of other factors. So yeah, I, I think that, that's, that's my thing, is I just want people to understand that this is a great thing to do, um, to come together. Let's try and do it in ways so that everyone will be able to keep coming together for a long time. So considering what you said about how much toxins come out from a 45-minute session, for example, Mm -mm. the thing with shisha that I found is that people often start it very young because it's a very rare thing. It's not like always walking around with a box of cigarettes and doing it every lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's more once a week coming down with your family and sitting down and doing it. So is firstly the availability of shisha restricted for people under the age of 18? And second of all, how common is it for people to start under the age of 18? Yeah, so one thing that people might not realise is that the the law regarding shisha is pretty much the same as the laws regarding all tobacco use, so cigarettes and so on. So sort of technically and legally speaking, the tobacco products, including shisha, shouldn't be available to people under under 18. Um, In terms of when people are starting though, what I'm hearing from discussions with people and what I've seen myself because I live um, in Granville in Western Sydney and so on, is that because people are doing it in communal settings, often it might be uh, a friend, a relative, you know, an uncle or, or someone suggesting, oh, come on, come on and join us, um, often to kids at younger ages and so on. So uh, I've heard stories from parents, um, you know, of kids starting in, you know, that sort of 12 to 14-year-old age is quite common. And exactly for the reasons you say, you know, it's happening in this family setting, they want to be inclusive, um, but also probably not thinking through, oh, hang on, would I be encouraging them to start smoking cigarettes at that sort of age? And even though it is less frequent, yeah, and it is a once-in-a-while sort of thing, um, it's worth thinking about, you know, is would I would I want them to have the equivalent of, say, you know, half a packet of cigarettes starting age 14. And, and just to think that through. You know. Exactly. It's a very interesting thing to sit down and think about, but how often does that thinking happen? How mm, often are mm. people aware of the consequences of what they are doing? So considering this younger demographic of shisha compared to cigarettes and how it does start off, as you said, 12 to 14 years old, what have you found are the most effective ways for raising awareness about it and about its impact so people can have those conversations and actually think about its impact? Yeah. Look, I think uh, the thing I have found useful is is probably two things. One, just that 
45 minutes equals 100 cigarettes. It's, it sort of cuts through and does make you step back and think, oh, wow, okay. And, that, and that's actually fairly robustly de- demonstrated through research but also through other um, work done in different country settings by um, the World Health Organization and others. The other thing that I think helps is getting people to think about you know, what are some of the health problems and consequences that people in your life have encountered, um, could or has um, shisha or tobacco in general played a role in worsening some of that, those things? And, you know, my experience has been that people from Arabic-speaking backgrounds or from other cultural groups who actually use shisha really value those friendships and family groups. And trying to get people to step back and think and also say, well, how can we preserve... Um, our families is a really useful way of getting people just consider are there different things we could be doing instead necessarily yeah. yeah and i think when it comes a very effective way of stopping people from smoking for example has been that labeling and the packaging that you see with mm-hmm. the impact of it directly there every mm-hmm. time you come to take a cigarette but when it comes to shisha you don't see that stamped all over the actual shisha That's itself true. instead yeah. you see this shiny object with yeah. this beautiful smelling uh, exactly. smoke that comes very, out very the top. appealing exactly yeah. compared to looking at a box of cigarettes which one has its own smell and has that label right at the front where you see the potential consequences that come out for people so yeah. that in and of itself is a very uh, impactful thing to think about yeah and it's a very different experience exactly mm. as you say because even if you're having it um you know sometimes people are getting shisha delivered and so on mm. you're not seeing any of those warning labels you're seeing quite an interesting looking yeah. thing like things it's sort of an interesting looking device yeah. But I don't think people are, because they don't have that negative experience, they're not necessarily always thinking about that. So I guess it's that that's the challenge from my perspective is to get mm. people to think about, hang on, even though this sort of might smell like apples or pineapple or whatever, what are actually the health harms that might be um, happening here as well? It's a very interesting perspective. Are there any differences between genders when it comes to smoking shisha? So have you noticed that it's more common amongst a certain group? And if so, why? Yeah, it's look, there are some different patterns of use. So there's the more casual social use in in cafes and so on, and then there's the use at home. Compared to other forms of tobacco use, it does seem like shisha, there are both men and women um, participating and partaking. Um, There is a little bit more anecdotal stories about, you know, men in family gatherings being involved, but also women becoming involved as well. and the other thing is maybe changes in patterns of use that because it is often a focus of a get-together, you know, one of the, the, the stories that um, a, a person I was interviewing for some research was telling me about was catching up with friends after doing school drop-offs of kids and so the, the mums would come over to their house and they'd do shisha and they were doing it, you know, three or four times a week. So that's potentially quite a lot of, of shisha to be having in different settings. So. Look, I think compared to maybe some other forms of tobacco use, like smoking and so on, it does seem like there are more um, men and women using it, but there are variations. And that's partly, you know, age affects it. I think also different cultures have different sort of understandings and expectations about who gets involved. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue for both men and women, I think. You know. So from our discussions, I think that's something that's come across is to have these conversations, to sit down and... Hmm talk to people that you know, you yeah. yourself gain this knowledge and then share it with others. How accessible is this outside of that? So if you're an individual who smokes shisha, how often would it be that you be it, you see a billboard or an ad on your phone that says something like that? Or how easy is it to go and find this kind of information online? 
Yeah, uh, look, it, it's not out there on the billboards like all the um, uh, quit line sort of messaging mm-hmm. and some of the other um, activities. But we've been really fortunate to get some support from the Cancer Institute in New South Wales to to try and um, engage people through social media challenge, uh, channels. And we've got a website, um, shishanothanks.org.au, that people might like to look at. It's got some sh- brief videos. And so some of those videos have depicted stories where, you know, a very memorable one is a family having a barbecue in the backyard, bring out the shisha. So the video depicts bring out the shisha and it's got, instead of um, the regular shisha, it's got a hundred cigarettes stuck on top. So um, some of those things that, again, might be a bit visually arresting, but the purpose is to start the conversations and to get people thinking about it. So um, I, I think we need to recognise that whilst shisha use people think is maybe not as widespread as other forms of tobacco use, it's, it's really important, and because it's um, primarily concentrated use amongst people from Middle Eastern or Arabic-speaking backgrounds, um, you know, it's got this disproportionate burden, and so I feel quite strongly that particularly, you know, we, we need to take care of our communities. You know, these are my friends and people I live with in Western Sydney, so um, I want to make sure that those messages are getting out there, and it's a little bit hard to cut through sometimes, but, you know, some of those ways of at least changing perception um, have been a little bit effective. Yeah. Very interesting. And since it comes up in that social setting, what's an effective way for someone to resist the peer pressure? Mm-hmm. So I think pulling up the video would be an effective one, the one that you said showing yeah. a visual depiction of what it means to be smoking shisha because, yeah. as we described, it's this shiny object, but instead seeing it in this light of oh, 100 cigarettes surrounding it, now yeah. you can actually see it. But how else would you suggest starting up that conversation? Yeah, well, um, we did a lot of work and a lot of discussions with people about exactly that. And so in a way, it's sort of variations on our tagline of Shisha No Thanks, you know, is to actually suggest, look, I might sit this one out because I've been thinking, you know, 45 minutes is 100 cigarettes. I wouldn't sit with you and do 100 and we wouldn't smoke 100 cigarettes together. That's hard to do. I think the other thing we can do is, um, you know, think about what alternate activities might be things that we could do together. And I think that is a challenge for people, particularly from Muslim backgrounds, is to think about what are the things that we can do communally in the world that, um, that are, you know, keeping in line with our values and our beliefs and so on. So I think, you know, often we're emphasising things like physical activity, like getting together and um, going for a walk instead, um, even if it's just having conversations in a way that don't put even physically the shisha in the centre of the conversation, you know. So um, that's that's harder to do than it sounds. I know I don't want to pretend like that's an easy thing to do, but I think it's also kind of like um, a way of being kind of brave in an everyday way is to just say, you know, thanks, but, you know, I'm going to sit this one out, you know. And, and then that also forces people to think through what will be the... You know, do we have to do we have to do shisha this time? You know, and maybe I can sit it out too. It becomes more of this routine. Mm-hmm. Whenever you think social gathering, a lot of people just think straight away shisha. Whereas yeah. if you one haven't put that there in the first place, or two slowly move away from it, mm. you start to realize I can still have those engaging conversations. I can still connect with people. I can still have those memorable times yeah. without having that in the middle of it. It's not a requirement for me to socialize and have fun. Exactly. So, a lot of people from. Muslim background and Arab backgrounds don't drink and we don't see that as a fundamental part of us connecting and socialising. Exactly. So we can also think we don't need the shisha there in the middle to have a good time and to just have a laugh and have fun. Yeah. It's not a requisite to us sitting down and enjoying those times together. And, and I really like the way you frame that actually is to say, you know, 
we're able to have good times, connect with each other without alcohol or other drugs that, you know, I think are a real problem for other groups. So I think it is that that recognising the strengths to already, um, that, to build upon, you know, so that would be the way I, I sort of would think about it, but also really like the way you described it as well. Yeah. So having discussed when it comes up and, yes, one, equivalent of 100 cigarettes, mm. how would you in a very simple way, put out the physical, psychological consequences of shisha smoking. So how would you kind of dot point it out to somebody who's just realised that, hey, what I'm doing can have a potentially severe consequences on my health? How would you just sit down and describe to them, okay, this is what I've seen, this is what I've seen? Yeah. So I think I'd emphasise that, um, you know, there are all the harms that we associate with with cigarette use. I'd also emphasise that, uh, as with cigarettes, every every uh, time you don't use shisha, you're doing yourself a favour, you know. And then the other thing is that uh, to think through, you know, uh, shisha does have nicotine in it. So even if you're only doing it infrequently, you're still potentially um, experiencing some quite powerful sort of effects from the nicotine and developing dependence can be quite an issue, you know. Uh, So I think those are the things I would suggest that people consider. I think I would suggest also that because people do shisha in social settings, it's it's not exactly like the example you used earlier. It's not having a cigarette off to the side of a job site or something like that. You want to take care of those people that you're catching up with. So actually stepping back a bit from shisha and saying let's do it less is actually a sign of I think um, you know respect valuing and loving those people that you're catching up with as well you're helping yourself and others like yeah. even if you're not as concerned about your own health so yeah, to say yeah you're and, still thinking and, about and look I, and I don't want to pretend it's easy you know like that yeah. they're tricky conversations to have I have them myself when I go along mm-hmm. and people might um, bring along shisha and so on and 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 it's a real struggle because um, but I think also the other thing is how to make it a lively source of discussion itself. You know, one of the things I really value is that the settings where people would have shisha, it's a great conversation, um, conversational setting. So why not have a bit of an argument about shisha because as well? Because you'll both sides. If you're yeah. with somebody who always does it, they're going to be sometimes very passionate about it. So you'll mm. be able to hear why they are doing it. And mm. then you can think of more useful alternatives that directly address their own concerns. So you exactly. might hear things you haven't thought about. You might be thinking just about the health impacts, for example, yeah. me, if I was to have that conversation with someone, it would be that. Yeah. It may affect you in this way, it may affect you in this way. Yeah. Whereas if I hear where somebody else is coming from, be it the social aspect or be it mm. what it's done for them and how it's helped them maybe go through a difficult time and connect with people, yeah. I can then address that in a more direct way. Exactly, exactly. And and that's why I don't think, like whilst I want to raise awareness of the harms, we need to recognise that the things that are going to make a difference are the one-on-one conversations that people actually connecting with each other and engaging with people with where they're at, exactly the sort of points that you were making. Um, and so rather than trying to bash people over the head and say, you're wrong about this, it's actually about how do we um, you know, start where people are at and then gently and supportively um, shift use. Because you know, at the end of the day, what motivates me is I want these people to still be in our lives for a long time from now. So. That's that's a way of thinking about it. Another one is the economic impact. I still yeah. have this very vivid image of a video that I've watched once where it's just going through be it the cost of smoking cigarettes and you can very easily break that down. Mm. When it comes to shisha, it may be a bit more difficult because of that communal setting. It's usually once you're at this person's house, they yeah. do it or you go to a cafe, one yeah. person usually covers it. But overall, I guess it is still um, economically impactful. 
It can be economically impactful. Um, it's sometimes not um, something I emphasise, to be honest, because um, people will say to me, oh, 100 cigarettes, shish is a lot sh- cheaper than 100 cigarettes. Yeah. So I don't want people to sort of think this is um, just about the economics. But I think, you know, the reality is, and, and maybe some of the people listening will relate to this, when uses started increasing, particularly in the past few years in home settings and so on, it does mean that you're probably spending potentially quite a lot on um, on the molasses and so on, you know, um, over a week. If you're having it three times a week, that's not that uncommon necessarily. Um, that can be quite a lot of money that you could be spending on other stuff, enjoying yourself in other ways. So I guess that is part of the picture, yeah. Very true. Are there any notable differences in shisha smoking patterns based on ethnic background? So you did discuss that it's very common amongst Middle Eastern people and mm. in Western Sydney. How notable are differences between groups in this area and other areas? Again, we don't have great data. Um, most of the information I have on this is from uh, focus groups and qualitative studies. But what we've found is that there are um, people who are using it from outside those groups that we mentioned, so people from uh, not from Arabic-speaking um, backgrounds or from Middle Eastern countries, um, quite a lot of people from North Africa, people from um, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India. But again, the pattern of use is a bit different. So they talk about often it being a good place to catch up with friends in a cafe setting, um, but not tending to use it so much at home. So the use might be a little bit less frequent, but there are different... Um, you know, different cultural groups basically who are getting into it. Also people even from um, Vietnam and Cambodia, uh, we've had discussions with people from those communities and they're saying, yeah, it's it's becoming a thing because, I, and I guess, um, you know, I don't want to treat it as a, in a sort of glib way that I don't want to pretend like it's, it's an easy thing to find places that you can hang out as friends um, that don't involve particularly alcohol. Um, but I think, uh, again you want your friends to be around for a while. So I think that's the real challenge um, from my perspective is trying to make sure those people don't, uh, from the different cultural backgrounds, don't start to associate um, shisha with hanging out all the time, but also thinking about, um, you know, making sure that it doesn't become a norm like we're seeing in, so, in some other countries. So particularly in, a, in America, um, shisha is becoming quite a common um, thing to encounter on university campuses and so on. So quite, so not necessarily um, associated with particular cultural groups, but something that you find often like n- near colleges over there. So that's oh. the kind of thing that is, is a bit different in the international trend sort mm-hmm. of sense. Um, th- there's also, um, you know, examples of uh, use in England, but again, it's, it's often from people from... Um, Arabic-speaking countries and so on. So, yeah, That's interesting to see. And I guess the educational component might then become a bit more difficult on that side if you do have people that maybe English isn't their first language and don't come across the kind of content that is maybe an English-speaking yeah, yeah. setting, be it online or be it in person when you're discussing it with people or through programs. Hmm. So it's important to kind of address all these different groups that use it. I want to then link this conversation we've been having about shisha to vaping. Hmm. Uh, some of the things that we've mentioned about shisha is that it is in one setting. It's associated for a lot of people with being with another group and sitting mm-hmm. down and doing it that way. When it comes to vaping, it's kind of merging the two where you have the 
ease of use and convenience of a cigarette at times even easier because you can just take it out, do a couple of puffs and then pack it away without going through a whole cigarette. Yeah. And at the same time, it has that smell and it is usually associated with a group of people sitting down together and just spending a night yeah. doing that. So how would you merge that into our discussion? Yeah, look, I think it is increasingly something that's becoming connected in people's minds. In the past, when I started talking to people about this, people saw them as very different. But now I think because of the experience, the sort of pleasant smell aspect is something that reminds people. Um, But also um, exactly the issue you sort of spoke about, people who might use shisha in communal or social settings were saying, have started saying, oh, well, you know, when I don't feel like setting up shisha or it's just me and maybe my husband or my wife at home, we might just vape. Um, and so there's becoming this sort of dual use that people are sort of using shisha and vapes. Um, and and that's something that actually, again, through the focus groups, we started to hear a bit more about happening during lockdown because people might recall there was some supply issues with the uh, with the molasses. So it was actually quite hard for people to get during, during COVID lockdown periods. And so a lot of people initiated vaping then. And so increasingly we're seeing this thing of um, connections, even at a practical level, like just to be real, you know, like the people who... Um, uh, you can call up for shisha. A few of them have, I, I noticed, started um, offering vapes as well, sort of informally, you know. So even though there's a crackdown on vaping, you know, I, I am seeing there's some similarities in patterns of use. So that's something that's been a bit of a change again over the past few years as people saw them as quite distinct things. Now people are saying, yeah, maybe in their minds, people are making those connections, even if the patterns of use are a bit different. You end up with both, whereas... Mm. A usual argument for shisha, like people would have used mm. that do smoke shisha would have been, I'm only doing it once or twice a week. Exactly. And then they slowly move into the vape, again, doing it in that once or twice a week, but mm. as a replacement shisha. And then you end up doing it as often as cigarettes along with shisha. So it yeah. becomes this compound impact on exactly. your health. And, and you can yeah. end up being quite nicotine dependent, you know, basically. you can Because you, if you're having... If you're vaping several times a week and using shisha, you're potentially getting quite a lot of nicotine, you know, so... What would you say someone that says, I don't feel addicted to it? I've had this conversation with a few friends of yeah, mine where yeah. they're like, oh, it's, I can get off it whenever I want to. How would you describe the long-term buildup of that dependence and yeah. what that can lead to for them, especially like if you're talking 18, 17 years old? Yeah. Um, look, I think the thing that a lot of people don't realise is that nicotine itself is, is a toxin. I think, you know, we need to really bring home that not just the toxins that we find in um, shisha, but... Vapes, as people will increasingly know, um, it's a real issue that we don't know what's in a lot of the vapes that are currently being sold because of the restrictions there. They're sort of a little bit borderline illegal and so we really don't have a good sense of what's in the vapes that people are using in Australia at the moment. So, And then there's other health consequences like popcorn lung and so on. So we, we need to be emphasising that, look, even using vapes on their own is, is harmful. Um, in combination you're actually getting potentially quite a lot of nicotine that is a very addictive drug. And so I think I would gently pose in that situation, say, look, I know you you feel like you can quit at any time, but what are the situations where you're finding that you're reaching for the vape or, you know, the, is it or in conjunction with shisha and so on? Um, and is that increasing? You know, again, sort of probing to sort of see, you know, you, you feel that consciously, but, you know, you are actually got a, a potentially a physical addiction to nicotine building up. So, And I guess, again, respectfully, but, you know, how to start that conversation about, you know, 
being real, are you, uh, you know, are you actually using, you know, shisha and vapes more than you used to? And even though you might feel like you could quit, have you actually tried? You know, yeah. That's actually a good point. Can you yeah. do it if you want to? Yeah. Prove yeah. it to yourself, I guess, to, yeah. to that extent. Yeah. Are you able to tell us some of the harmful chemicals in shisha and or vape that you've come across other than nicotine? Yeah, look, the, the, um, I mean, in shisha, what we find is all the harmful compounds that are in cigarettes, we find in shisha. So, um, you know, really, we need to keep front of mind that all the things we've heard about, about, you know, tar, concerns about carbon monoxide and other things are present. Um, with vaping, I'm not a vape expert, but, you know, there are issues, again, fundamentally stemming from the issue that we don't know what's in this vaping liquid all the time. In other settings, um, you know, when they've done audits of what's in the vaping liquid, like the liquid that they use in vapes, they found a whole range of different, um, you know, chemicals essentially. So I, I think we need to be pretty pretty careful about it and, um, and, and emphasise that... These are the problems that we've encountered over many years with cigarettes. Uh, even though it might smell nicer, you don't come away smelling like an ashtray. There's still a lot of harm, harmful stuff in there. Yeah. Part of it is that it came about so quickly with the vaping. Mm. It was through that lockdown period, people slowly started taking it up. You saw a few specific vaping shops open and then mm. every corner around anywhere you go, yeah. there's the, a little place that sells it yeah. and you're able to access it so easily and you don't you haven't really sat down and thought about what it means yeah. whereas when things slowly get taken up in society you're able to ask those questions so when you slowly walk around and see everyone doing it yeah. it becomes much more of a socially accepted thing yeah. compared to it being a gradual yeah. onset yeah. so that's been an interesting thing to see with, uh, with vaping and how easily people have taken it up yeah. without challenging it and, and seeing and what it means maybe a related sort of um, anecdote that I might suggest listeners might even want to talk to family members about is actually the thing that really has changed um, shisha use in, in our lifetimes is really the big growth of um, the flavoured molasses, you know, the honeyed um, molasses, uh, uh, the honeyed tobacco. So um, if you speak with your grandparents and so on, they might suggest that, you know, yes, there was shisha use, but it didn't tend to be of the flavoured variety. So in a way, shisha's had its own sort of vaping explosion you know yeah. the, the 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 flavorings the, the smell um has really changed the ex experience of using shisha even just since the 90s and so that's also sparked its own form of um you know shisha growth as well exactly when i see some of the older people it's usually just the raw tobacco yeah, yeah. that they use and that lasts for several hours and i feel like there's less chemicals that you can add when it's just the leaves of tobacco yeah compared to when you sit down and you see that molasses and Every week there's a new flavor and then you just want to try something new and yeah. you're able to experiment with it a lot more and find something that suits, that fits someone's taste, I guess, compared yeah. to the tobacco itself. And yeah, I, I haven't thought of that actually, how quickly that's moved and mm. people have taken that up. Mm. What are some methods available for someone wanting to take a break? Or Okay, someone's heard this program and decided, you know what? I should be thinking about this. They've sat down, they've done a bit more research, they've gone on the website that you discussed and then thought to themselves, what are some methods or some help that, that's out there that I can use to help myself stop yeah. shisha use yeah. and vaping? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so there's a couple of things. So the Cancer Institute in New South Wales has got a, quite a good website called I Can Quit. It's initially set up to think about smoking and cigarettes, um, but it's actually got a lot of relevance to people who want to 
reduce the amount of shisha they're using. Um, there's also the quit line and there's actually an Arabic quit line so that you can call up and get support in Arabic as well. So there's actually a few options there for people who are thinking about it. And so all of those are, uh, I think, useful. I can quit is sort of helpful because it's it's on the website. Doesn't You don't have to make that confronting phone call. But, you know, I think also um, the quit line's a great service and is We'll get back to you to help people. So. Are there any practical methods you would give as in terms of implementation? Mm-hmm. So someone that's in that social setting, mm. what you would tell them other than having those conversations for them personally, how yeah. you would recommend slowly dialing away from it? Yeah. Look, I, I think um, I would probably say try and step out of the setting, like maybe see if there are other people you could sort of talk to in that setting, you know, like even just physically remove yourself for a second, just see how that goes, how that feels like. Can you drop in and out of the conversation without having to use the shisha? Um, I think, you know, then also considering other strategies for longer term cessation, you know, some of the things that we know from tobacco control at work. But I think, I think, don't be afraid to search for stuff. Look at um, shishanothanks.org.au for some ideas on that. Um, it's got some prompts and some suggestions and some um, and some useful just sort of, um, you know, almost comments you can make to sort of think about. So, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's options out there if, you, if you're thinking of throttling back. And, and genuinely, I think every time you skip a session, you're doing yourself um, a favour. So. You did mention shishanothanks.com. And something to think about is the impact of the internet that's been dual. So on one end, you are able to access information much easier, see videos and be stimulated in that sense and Mm. actually raise that conversation. But on the other end, it is its own cause of shisha uptake where you see somebody doing those smoke rings online and you think some people perceive it in much more of a cool light compared to it just being sitting down with a group of friends. So there is that You just need to look at um, Instagram or TikTok. Mm. There's whole... uh, hundreds of accounts dedicated to sort of um, emphasising the cool aspects of it. And um, and I think the thing when you're seeing that is to sort of think, okay, whose interest is that serving for me to see that? I mean, it might be fun and cool, but also... The you company know, that's selling it and yeah, people making exactly. money off it. Yeah, exactly. You know. Compared to you, who's going to end up using it and exactly. the potential health impacts yeah, that come from yeah. it. So, so if they're trying to make it look cool, it's not necessarily for your benefit that they're trying to make it look cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting way to think about it. Uh, Last question I want to kind of wrap off here. Does the current legislation in New South Wales effectively restrict shisha smoking and its use? And do you think there are other things that might be done Hmm. to stop it? We actually have quite a strong legislative framework. So in that, you know, on paper, the rules that apply for cigarettes apply to shisha too. In practice, um, enforcement, there's a bit of a gap, I think, and and understanding of those laws, potentially from people who are selling. Um, so that's something we need to, to work on, is work with businesses to just sort of say, look, this is what the re- regulatory environment is. You know, this is the laws. This is what's going on. The other um, thing I would suggest is, is, you know, maybe it does involve having a, a think about in those settings, not, not just, um, you know, uh, how shishas are presented and so on, but also making sure that some of those requirements, that there, are, there is the, the labelling um, associated with, um, shisha, uh, with tobacco products that are available in those settings and so on. So I think, by and large, we've got pretty good laws that address these issues, but there's a few specific gaps where we could improve the way people follow the, the rules and how the laws are implemented. So. 
that is something when it comes to, I'm going to keep coming back to this, yeah. the actual shisha itself. Yeah. The whole experience is framed in, a lot more, in people's minds a lot more positively than mm. smoking tobacco. And because mm. you don't have those labels and because you're just getting that final product and all you do is put on the coals and that's it, mm. you're going, you're not looking at it every time. And it's just associated with that overall experience. I think that's what we've discussed as being one of the major causes of it being taken up and much more easier to take up. Yeah. And then in the same way, you can use that to counteract it. So you can use that social setting that's built around it to go against it and slowly raise those conversations and move people away from it yeah. based on yourself first and then those around you. And if those around you are on the same wavelength and you eventually do get that across to them, then together it's going to be much easier. If your whole social group is based around smoking shisha, then over time as everybody moves away from it, It'll yeah. be easier for all of you yeah. not to do it compared to you alone trying to fight it. Absolutely. So yeah. it's and and not to underestimate that as a challenge, but also that's the benefit to you and your friends as well as you're not just helping together. yourself; you're helping others. Exactly. Compared to often when you're stopping cigarettes, it's you. Yeah. And something else that comes up with shisha is that it's often done in the household or around mm. families. Mm. You got children there. Yeah. You may have never actually used the shisha themselves, but you're sitting around a group of people where there's three or four shishas going around often in a closed place, yeah. that in and of They're itself. still getting exposure. Exactly yeah. that. So back to that concept you were saying about caring for yourself and others. Been a very interesting conversation, a lot taken from it, uh, very practical and applicable to our lives. So I right, thank you very much for your time and for joining us. And hopefully our listeners have taken something that they can implement, they can use, and I would advise them all to actually act on it. It's easy to take this information, but as you said, bring up these conversations use the websites that were mentioned and actually think about the impact for yourself. Go out there, do your own research and you'll see what it means compared to just saying, ah, oh, associating it with the social gathering. So thank you very much again. And hopefully maybe we'll be able to do something next time and keep discussing it and see what comes up from our listeners. Dear listeners, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you've all enjoyed it and learned a lot from it and take care. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat with people. Thank you. Did you know that a single shisha session typically lasting 45 minutes to one hour is equivalent to smoking a staggering 100 cigarettes? Did you also know that a single pod of certain popular e-cigarette brands can contain as much nicotine as an entire packet of traditional cigarettes? Let that reality sink in as we liberate ourselves from the engulfing cloud of smoke. Brace yourself for the Shisha No Thanks on Air to MFM media campaign proudly supported by the Cancer Institute of New South Wales. In this groundbreaking series, we present five captivating episodes aiming to raise awareness about the potential dangers of shisha smoking and promote healthier choices among culturally diverse communities in New South Wales. Our interviews feature an exceptional lineup of experts, including dentists, professors, lecturers, and industry professionals. They'll enlighten us on critical topics like the potential impact of shisha and vaping on youth, pregnant women and oral health. So together, let's clear the air and pave the way for a healthier generation with 2MFM's Shisha No Thanks radio series commencing on the 26th to the 30th of June at quarter past three.